this kind of works in any situation. You just walk up to her, you know, maybe she's at, at a grocery store and you're like, Hey, not to be that guy that like hits on you at Trader Joe's, but I gotta be that guy. Because <laughs> There's a stigma attached to hitting on someone in an environment that's not a bar or a club. Yeah. So if you're going to do it, you certainly need to do it in a way that kind of calls out the awkwardness mm-hmm. and that also tells her like what the hell you're doing. I'm Alexa, and you're listening to That Sex Check, a Soulfire production. Hey, you guys and gals. For some reason, I felt inspired to open up this podcast with a little Goonies throwback there for the late person. Uh, so once again... We got some guy on guy action here. I'll probably say that every episode that I host for the foreseeable future, because it just feels real fun to say. Um, I have a special guest, as if they all aren't, Mr. Robbie Kramer. So I'm going to read a cool little bio here that he provided that gives a good feel for who he is, what he's about, and some things that we'll dig into today. Robbie is a men's dating and lifestyle expert who shows men how to create the relationship of their dreams in a way that actually works. No pickup lines, games, or quick fixes, just 100% real attraction. He's been featured in Maxim, USA Today, Playboy Radio, and more. We're stoked to chat with Mr. Robbie about things like dating in 2022, what men need to know when it comes to finding love, and communicating on and offline when it comes to relationships. Here we go. That was quite the intro. Anything I left out there, man? No, that's uh, that was all good. It was written by uh, yours truly. So awesome. <laughs> Couldn't have done better myself. <laughs> Only left out a lifetime of things in between, but that's a good little snapshot for sure. So yeah. kind of digging into a little bit of that, maybe before we do, I would love to hear a little bit of your journey. Um, we were talking a little bit before this and we have some similar threads of um, where we're from, but just, yeah, how you came to be who you are and what you're doing today. Sure. Um, you know, we, we were mentioning that we kind of both come from the same area for uh, high school, Southern California. And that's kind of where my journey started was uh, as like a, a nerdy kid in high school. I was on the golf team and uh, didn't really have much luck with the ladies and uh, was basically just kind of stumbling around. I remember, you know, asking a girl to one of the school dances and she said no. So, you know, my, I got some advice from a buddy that said like, you know, if you try to ask a girl out and she says, no, you're going to get rejected. So better to just wait for them to ask you out. Ah, great advice. (laughs) Super good advice. Yeah. (laughs) Like perfect. Uh, I'll just do that. (laughs) So, you know, that all that waiting didn't really pay off. That's for sure. Um, you know, and I had some, some, you know, random girlfriends here and there through high school and college. But after I graduated from university, I really had no idea kind of what I was doing. I had just gotten a job, you know, working at an investment bank. And once that kind of social circle aspect of dating went away from school, you know, I didn't have, I wasn't meeting, you know, girls in class. I wasn't really going to parties as much or doing like the, the college stuff or the school stuff. I was like, I've never even really been on a date. I always just kind of met, you know, girls through the social circle. And then, so that whole sort of dating thing was so weird and awkward to me. I remember I asked a few girls out on dates and 
it was just like we had dinner and it was horrible and I didn't know what the <laughs> hell I was doing. So, <laughs> um, at the time, this weird industry was kind of popping up and all this self-help, all these books were coming around. Like, uh, maybe you've heard of the game and all this pickup stuff. Sure. I was these pickup artists and, and some buddies of mine were like, Oh, you should read this stuff. It's really interesting. And I'm like, eh, it seems weird. Um, but after reading some of it, I, I kind of had this weird aha moment where I was like, wow, you can actually improve yourself when it comes to dating and relationships. I didn't really ever consider that as an option. Mm-hmm. I was always just thinking, well, I, I guess it's all looks based and, uh, you know, I'm going to attract a partner of a similar sort of look. And if she doesn't think, uh, you know, I'm, I gave myself like a six on the scale of one to 10 and I was like, oh, I'm just going to, you know. I guess date other sixes. Above <laughs> so average, that's cool, I'll like, take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was kind of my only like thoughts on the subject. I, I was just truly unconscious when it came to anything you know regarding this stuff. But um, you know, after after kind of seeing all the different self help stuff out there, I realized, wow, you actually can improve your confidence. You can take a lot of strides to become a more attractive guy. Uh, you know, I didn't, never paid attention to my fashion. I never paid attention to like the text messages I was sending. I was just kind of doing whatever I was doing on autopilot, not really thinking about what I was doing and mm-hmm. and hoping that, you know, Mrs. Perfect would just come along and I'd randomly meet her and we'd get together and, you know, have an awesome sex life and an awesome family. And, you know, the fairy tale. But, <laughs> exactly. And that's kind of the shit that we're sold. It's like, it should just naturally happen, but it wasn't naturally happening for me. And then I started, you know, kind of applying some of the things that I was learning, not, not the pickup stuff, because most of that was just kind of weird and canned and and just inauthentic. Um, But I started, you know, facing my fear of rejection. And that's really when things Mm. started to change. And um, I started, you know, actually being honest with women uh, that I was attracted to them, that I desired them, because that was something Mm. I'd always kind of held back. I was always embarrassed to let women know that I was attracted to them because of the fear of rejection. Of sure. If they knew I liked them, then they might be able to reject me just like that, you know, high school dance situation that I was so, you know, which fuck her, right? Without even that high school. I mean, yeah. she can fuck right off. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> Except she was the catalyst in a lot of ways. So bless her heart. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah, she really was. So, you know, and, and I think a lot of us just, randomly have these these little experiences which at the time right it's just your first experience in dating and and if that's a negative experience that really changes the the route and the direction of your life um and then you end up making all these choices based on that that could be totally wacky kind of like what i did of just not expressing my interest to anyone for for many years because of that one rejection yeah so um fast forward a few years later um, I became just totally obsessed with making myself, you know, the best version of me. I lost a bunch of weight. I was, um, I wasn't like hugely fat, but I was about 50 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, and, uh, you know, learned how to dress better and got myself into just a, a much more attractive package. And then mm-hmm. I, I started getting more dates and started having a lot of success and I was blogging about it. And then some guys were reading my blog and they were like, can you help me? And it kind of turned into a business from there. And that was back in 2000, 2009, 2010. And I've been doing it ever since. Awesome, man. It's, I can so resonate with your journey in a lot of ways and a lot of my experiences. And 
reading the game. That was the first time too, that I was kind of exposed to. And that was, I didn't read that till fairly late, relatively speaking in my personal development journey. I felt like I kind of was decent in the realm of dating and that kind of stuff. But then when I read that and kind of similar to you, it's like, oh, this is something there's actually a rhyme and reason to, and some things that I had noticed I have success around for whatever reason I in my journey had picked that up along the way, or maybe some level of just kind of intuitive knowing. And as I started to kind of be curious about some of those pickup artists that the PUA community and stuff, I started to, on the other side of it, be like, you know what? And you touched on this, came up with this sort of mantra for myself, that anti-game is the best game. And what that kind of meant and means for me is exactly what you said around actually telling women how I feel like I'm super attracted to you. What a concept. And you're right, because like, what if what if they don't receive it? What if there is a rejection there? But I think there's such beautiful wisdom and, and if nothing else, a an authentic and exciting polarizing way to live. Um, and I would have it no other way. So it's, I'm, I'm already digging your style and your approach, man. Um, Thanks, man. Yeah. And you, you said it, you know, it's something as stupidly simple as saying you're interested in an authentic way there, you know, there's nothing more attractive to that yeah. uh, than that. And so few guys can actually do it because, mm-hmm. you know, we're so worried about rejection or we're so worried about how we're going to come across that that message gets totally muddled and it just doesn't come out nearly anything close to the way you said it. So, yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, it's uh, <laughs> it's a lot tougher than it than it sounds, and I'm sure guys listening can can relate anyway. So sure. So double clicking on that. How would you, as a guru of sorts, I'm calling you that. Let's play with that. Um, suggest <laughs> men approach women. Like, what would be maybe some examples, a little role playing of what that could look like? Sure. So, you know, you got to start with with where you're at right if if the idea of going up to a woman and telling her that you're interested just freaks you out and you know if you're listening to this and you're like oh, i couldn't do that 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 creates way too much anxiety then you have to start with something easier you could simply start with you know walking up to 20 people and asking for the time or directions yeah. and then when that becomes bored maybe you amp it up a little bit and you say hey do you know where how to get to starbucks and then as she answers, you cut her off and say, ah, oh, just kidding. I just wanted to flirt with you, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I'm going to run away now. <laughs> you can literally great. run away. I love that. <laughs> um, and the, you know, and if, it, it, it's, I call it social freedom, right? So to be able to do a lot yeah. of this stuff, you have to be free from the societal constructs of, oh my God, they're going to think I'm a loser. They're going to think I'm crazy. Um, so there's a lot of exercises you can do. Something as stupid as like lying on the sidewalk in a busy, um, you know, on a, on a busy sidewalk, you just lie down for 30 seconds or a minute and you <laughs> see what sort of emotions that brings up. Um, or you walk into a McDonald's and ask for a discount. Um, so <laughs> there's a lot of things you can do to break down sort of your fear around how you look and around mm-hmm. how people think of you. And you, and the less you can care, the better. And then once once you start to give less of a fuck, can I swear on here? You totally uh, can, bro. Uh, right. So once you start to give less of a fuck, then your approach is, uh, you know, your ability to connect with women will be will, will be much better. Um, and you, like the, my favorite line of all time, 
you know, this kind of works in any situation. It's, you just walk up to her, you know, maybe she's at the grocery store and you're like, Hey, not to be that guy that like hits on you at the Trader Joe's, but I gotta be that guy. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, cause there's a stigma, you know, attached to, to hitting on someone in, a, in like an environment that's not a bar or a club. Yep. Right. So if you're going to do it, you certainly need to do it in a way that kind of calls out the awkwardness mm-hmm. and that also tells her like what the hell you're doing. Cause what, what you'll see a lot of the time when guys try to, you know, meet women wherever, maybe it's a gym or maybe it's a grocery store or whatever, they'll just go up and they'll start, you know, having a random conversation. Yeah. And if you're a really good conversationalist and you're really good at just like thinking of stuff on the spot and finding ways to connect that can work, but very few guys have that ability. I certainly didn't. And if, if you're not after, you know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, this person is going to be like, what the hell does this person want? Like, it's cool that you like my, you know, shoes or whatever, but like, what do you actually want? Right. Cause that's kind of the first question we ask if someone's coming up over to us, it's, you know, either if it's a homeless person asking for change or someone with a clipboard, it's like, all right, they're selling me something. And so if you don't answer the question, like, what do you want? You're going to be that annoying person. So I like to go, you know, I like to say that within the first sentence, I like to tell whoever I'm talking to, like why I'm there. So, you know, Hey, I saw you and I had to risk embarrassing the hell out of myself to come over here and meet you. Something simple like that. Mm-hmm. And um, you know you're going to get a reaction from that. Either you know, typically the reaction you get from that will tell you all you need to know. If if she's you know unavailable, you'll very quickly get sorry. I'm married. I have a boyfriend. And either she doesn't like you, and that's her you know nice way of of saying that without hurting your feelings, or she really does. So either way, just leave. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no like super line that's going to change that or whatever. Um, and then you'll get the occasional, you know, person who's just having a bad day and they're, you know, they just give you the cold shoulder and they walk away or whatever, and nothing you can do about that either. But, you know, the remaining maybe 30, 40%, if you're lucky, 50%, you know, they, they might light up like a Christmas tree and, and be really happy that you came over and they'll start, you know, asking you questions and investing in the conversation. That's how you know that they're, they're interested because they're, you know, they're like, okay, clearly this person wants to, you know flirt with me. I'll flirt back. Dude, there's so many beautiful nuggets of wisdom in there. Some things I want to double down on and dig into a little bit more. Um, maybe starting with the worst case scenario, you know, you, you kind of touched on it. What is the worst case scenario? They are having a bad day or they're just a unkind, shitty person, whatever the situation is. It's such, such a judgment there, but it's okay, cool. I'm kind of rejected. I get a cold sold shoulder. It's an awkward experience. Great. That's going to be such the exception, not the rule in this kind of a scenario. Most, we are built for human connection. People appreciate, generally speaking, like a good compliment or somebody who means well and is coming with a kind, connective kind of energy. And to that point, I want to go back to one of the first things you were talking about. This, I kind of call it the hacking the fear of rejection. And some of the ways you described it are so spot on. They're so simple. They're so accessible. And I'll share quickly about my journey. One way that I was able to do this is I worked with a lifestyle brand and nutrition company for several years called Bulletproof. I was one of the early employees of them. You might be familiar with Bulletproof Coffee. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I was a national educator for several years. And part of that, especially in the early days, I used to go to 
all grocery stores and other retail locations throughout the country. I've probably been to a thousand plus doing bulletproof coffee demos. So I would be in a store for two to four hours and trying to get people to try bulletproof coffee. And so I just got this, I mean, before that I was like, okay, you know, in a dating context, but as far as like my opening game, so to speak, and just the mm -hmm. way of like starting conversations and getting over that, the fear of rejection, the hump of just starting to go there. I really relied, like you said, on college and things like that before where there's just natural points of connection, but that opportunity of having shit, probably tens of thousands of interactions where people were saying yes or no. And then there was some level of being able to engage from there and then getting really playful and creative with how I would approach people. Like I'm remembering one of my quote pickup lines as far as serving bulletproof coffee was, um, to call me Santa cause Christmas came early and I'd give him like a cup of coffee <laughs> I love that. and I would just, I had so many repetitions to just have fun and to not give a shit about the outcome, but just having fun with the journey as it goes in this kind of world. Cool, man. Yeah. I'm loving the direction of this. So yeah. And I can't think of a better thing you could possibly do when it comes to, you know, approaching people and, and, you know, quote unquote, call it day game. Like that's mm -hmm. how I, call this with my class, yeah, yeah. going up to a woman in a non-social environment, right? So it doesn't have to be during the day, but this, the uh, distinction is, you know, anything that's not somewhere where you would normally meet someone, mm -hmm. right? So doing something like what you were doing with, with sales, you know, giving, trying to get people to try bulletproof coffee, facing that rejection all the time. Like there's nothing that would make you better at that skill of being able to meet a woman, you know, in a non-social environment than something like that. So yeah. I've actually told some clients of mine, like, Hey, if you want to get better at this, cause they've had like crippling anxiety, like, you know, go try signing people up for, for some sort of, you know, initiative with a clipboard, do something like that where you're going to yeah. get buried with nose, at least bulletproof coffee is a great product. Right? It comes <laughs> totally. down to, <laughs> it comes easier. down to like, how's your product, right? If, if you're, if you think your product's shit and you're your own product, then you're going to have a tough time. Or if you're selling something that you think is not a great product again, but it's, uh, yeah, th th there's no better sort of social freedom than facing that rejection all the time. And, and you get over it. Yeah. Well, and something else I want to say actually is, you know, in the day game context or really just omnipresently, so to speak, when I have this practice of anytime I feel a genuine compliment for somebody, I, I tell them. And so if that's mm -hmm. in like public, say the gym scenario, for example, if there's a cute girl there or a random guy, doesn't really matter. But in the context of this conversation, a cute girl, and she has some earrings that stand out that I notice. that are like, Oh, those are like, I can tell she probably is proud of those. Like they pop, they're cool. They're unique. I'll tell them that. And even still married, I'll do that kind of thing again, men or women. And that practice of openly sharing love and authentic compliments, it so translates across the board and talk about just contributing to the betterment of the world in such a subtle, but significant, tangible way. And to bring it back to this conversation, more relevant, something that I would do, and I, I trained myself in some ways is doing exactly that and then leaving, not, mm. not necessarily having to engage. It's like, okay, now I gotcha. I got to get your number. I got to like, make sure that something happens here. I was like, nope, just 
do this authentic thing in the context of a gym, walk about, walk away, go about doing my thing and doing that more consistently in life. It started to make me feel like there are endless opportunities. There's no scarcity. There's no shortage. I don't have to latch onto any one thing. And I always wanted to also leave people I connected with, with this feeling of, I'm not trying to take with them, take from them rather. I'm actually just trying to like, oh, give of my overflow of connection and love for life and for people in this way. And I think like sort of reframing it. Yeah. So relevant for dating and just like coming a better, more capable, more connected, loving, sociable person. This stuff is no matter if you're in a relationship or wanting to date or not, I think this stuff is so applicable across the board. Oh yeah, totally. And you know, they can feel, you know, the, cause it's not just a compliment what you're talking about. It's a, it's a more like an acknowledgement, yeah. which is, you know, something that's a, a lot deeper and, and they're going to feel the energy behind that acknowledgement, you know, it's cause it's something that really moved you to come say, and they're, it's going to, you know, you're going to make some of the day with that. Yeah. Um, and then, like you said, the, the having zero attachment to how that goes or, you know, not caring about what comes after that. It's, it's literally just a gift to them, which is, which is totally awesome. So, so um, yeah, it, it's, you know, if for people listening, if, if you're, thinking that going up to a woman and that would give you too much, you know, anxiety or you wouldn't know where to take the conversation after that. Just do what you suggested a bunch of times and, and, uh, you'll start to figure out kind of what to do in the, in the next step without even having to, to learn it. That's the cool part. Hello, love bugs. Brinsky here. And I'm here to talk to you about codependency. (laughs) Now, some of you know that I ended a 10-year relationship to break my codependency and to really heal my limiting beliefs and the way that I was operating in my marriage. But I'm here to talk to you about a different codependency. This is my codependency with coffee and how that relationship has just gotten a little out of hand lately, where I was getting up to two lattes a day not only is it fucking expensive, um, it's not good for my hormones, my health, my anxiety. And I watched Lex try it and love it. And so I said, okay, I'm ready to make the switch too. I've made the switch and y'all, I absolutely love it. Everyday Dose is an incredible coffee alternative. It has got one third of the caffeine of coffee but it's loaded with all of these incredible ingredients like mushrooms and collagen and nootropics. And just by switching from coffee to everyday dose, I have noticed such an increase in my mood. I feel happier, less anxious. My energy is way more stable. I'm not having those crazy afternoon crashes. And I'm also not codependent on this beverage that I have to have in the morning or else I can't function because I hated that. I hated being so reliant on something. And so um, I'm so grateful that I made that switch. And if you were looking to break your codependency too, then I invite you to check it out, to try it. When you use the code that sex chick, you get 20% off an already discounted starter kit, which takes it up to, I think, 65% off your first order, which makes it so freaking affordable y'all. Um, there's literally no risk to try it. And if you decide that you don't like it, they literally give you your money back, but 
I love everyday dose. I imagine you will too. And so I encourage you to give it a try. Let us know how you like it and break that codependency once and for all. Now back to today's show. You know, if you were to, let's say, start with asking a woman out and then maybe we'll go into the actual, like on a date, what are some go-tos, do's and don'ts um, as far as you see it, trying to get into that next realm of connection of like asking for her number, something like that. What are some, you know, tactics that you would recommend? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what, what usually happens, like I said, is you're going to get one of those three reactions, right? And if you're, if you're really kind of firing on all cylinders, whatever that is for you. So, you know, if you're at the top of your game, so to speak, I've never met anyone who does better than 30, 40% right? You, you talk to 10 women, 30 or 40%, maybe you'll get their contact info. It's a little bit easier now because everyone's willing to exchange Instagrams, right? So now you might be able to go seven or eight out of 10, just because, you know, she might want an extra follower, even if she does have a boyfriend <laughs> or whatever, but you're like, come on, just give me your Instagram. It's so easy. Right. But, totally. but then the, <laughs> the, uh, you know, the conversion from Instagram to a date or even in Instagram to actually her responding to the direct message is going to be way lower. Um, but in, in terms of, you know, the reaction, you're, you're really going to only get, you know, it's either going to be an automatic no, or it's going to be some version of a yes. It might be like a, okay, kind of a, you know, a little bit of a standoffish yes, to which I love to try to call out the situation. I'm, I'm a big fan of just calling out what's happening because it creates, it creates humor, that. it creates mm-hmm. connection. Um, so if I get kind of like a weird, like, I don't know if you're creepy or not reaction, I'll usually say like, I promise I'm only like half creepy and that will usually like dissipate that sort of creepy tension. Um, what's nice. I I live over in Europe now and, um, in Ukraine and other like Slavic countries, the word creepy doesn't even exist in the Russian language. Um, so you don't really ever get those sort of weird, like creepy responses over there. Um, which is kind of an interesting just social construct, but in the U S and Western countries, you're much more likely to get that a decent amount of time. So if you do get that, you can call it out and then that'll usually lighten the mood and you'll be able to kind of continue from there. But if you don't just, you know, a simple, um, you know, asking her, so, you know, where are you coming from? Where are you going? Like if she's walking down the sidewalk, um, cause with that, question you kind of get an extra it's like two questions in one right mm-hmm. she goes oh i'm coming from yoga and i'm on my way back home right and that allows you to then try your best to you know navigate that conversation like oh cool you like yoga you're like a yogi light or a you know mm-hmm. yoga fanatic and then if, if yoga is important or interesting to you you can kind of talk about that but with the, with the whole conversational element of it there's so many different ways that can go and trying to like have witty one-liners or trying to think of things to say um is very tough because as i mentioned those conversations could go anywhere but if she likes you and she's gonna know that pretty much immediately because your opening line was good you were authentic you were direct she knows why you're there she knows that you probably you know that that you're interested if she has any interest, she's going to make it easy for you. She's probably going to ask you, you know, the next question. You know, she'd be like, where are you coming from? Or do you live around here? And 
it's just going to feel easy. It's going to flow like any conversation between two people who are interested in having a conversation. If she doesn't like you, then she's going to give you like one word answers. You know, she's, she's going to be pretty tough to talk to. And there's not a lot you can really do there, right? Like there's a few kind of witty lines. You can be like, you know, she answers three questions in a row with one word answers. You like, you, you can say, so do you only answer with one word answers? Can I get like a three word answer for the next one? But like, like I said, it's, it's really not going to matter a whole lot. So the biggest thing to just look for is her level of investment. And if she's clear, like if, if she's answering your questions and she's slightly investing rather than, you know, try to push a conversation on someone during the middle of the day, we're doing whatever they're doing. They're probably busy. You know, you don't need to do that. You don't need to even have a conversation. You just say, listen, I've, I've got to run. Looks like you're busy. Uh, why don't you give me your number? If you don't like me, give me a fake one. Oh, it's and, so uh, I love that. <laughs> you can, you know, you don't even have to have a conversation. That's the beauty of it, right? You could, you can literally walk up to someone and just give the, the elevator pitch, which is kind of what I said earlier. Hey, I saw you. I had a risk embarrassing the hell out of myself to come over here and meet you. Uh, I'm Robbie. You know, nice to meet you, Jenny. Listen, I got to run. You look like you're busy. You got a you know, bunch of bags. Give me your number. If you don't like me, give me a fake one. Never know the difference. And she'll laugh and she'll give you her, she'll give you her phone. And like you, now, now, you know, it's all about texting. So <laughs> that's, you know, you don't need to have a conversation. If, if you're great at conversation, if you can find something that's a quick connection point, and if she's really invested, then great, have a conversation. Maybe go on an instant date right then and there. You know, there's probably a Starbucks around the corner. Be like, hey, rather than talking on the sidewalk here, why don't we like grab a coffee? You got 10 minutes. Now you're on a date. Um, so that's always my advice. It's like if if she's investing in the conversation, if it's if it's fluid, if it's going, either go on an instant date right then and there, or whatever you do, don't like stay in that awkward place for too long trying yeah. to force a conversation on someone just you know get, get her contact info and, and go brilliant i love your approach man i'm digging this conversation i just i see you brother i see like a lot of yeah it just feels like <laughs> Thanks, you're very real i can tell you've you've been in this work you've been doing this thing you've you, you you've walked the walk and so you can talk the talk very well uh, and and kind of an undertone or a theme in the midst of that that i was hearing is playfulness is being playful. And it's almost this energy of you can't lose. I can't lose because I'm, I'm being courageous. I'm taking risks. I'm living life. I'm being authentic. I'm playing with the house's money. There's no losing in this scenario. And what like a, a liberating way to live, no matter what the outcome is, you know, even if it is, even if you're batting, you know, in the, the 10% as opposed to the 30 or 40%, like the pros, so to speak. Awesome. You're living in the 5%. Just like what a way more exciting, vibrant way to live. Um, okay. I mean, even if you're living in the 5%, like you are crushing it. If you're living in the 5% and if you're approaching them, what I tell my clients is you should be approaching at least 25 women a week. Um, that, you know, five a day and kill the online dating. It's probably not working for you anyways. And just, you know, because when you, when you do this, not only are you, potentially getting dates, you're building confidence, you're getting over, you know, most guys I work with have this sort of like inauthentic, nice guy syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've ever heard that book, the no, no more, more Mr. Nice, Mr. Guy. nice guy. So good. Yep. So what I recommend often. Yep. Yep. Um, I, I struggled with that and it was just, you know, like I said, that embarrassment to show attraction. So when you do this, you just get over all that crap 
And even if you're only getting 5% of dates, if you approach 25 women a week, you're still getting one date from that, which, and you know, that's four dates a month. That's a very high likelihood. That's going to transform your dating life. Even if you're batting 5%, like, and then you start increasing those numbers. It just, it becomes, uh, you know, a, a, abundance sort of situation very quickly. And it might kind of sound like a lot, but if you really think about it, that's not consuming a whole lot of someone's time. Like those interactions that you described and you were going into, again, more depth than probably a standard interaction would be generally speaking. So if you're doing that five times a day, five days a week, and you're getting that one date, that's a pretty active, like thriving dating life with pretty minimal like effort and output. And it's across the board, like we were talking about, just generally is going to make you a better person across the board. So it's a great ROI, so to speak. A huge part of my life with Jordan is our dogs. Some of y'all may know we have a blue nose pit bull named Biggie James Smalls and a French bulldog named Little. They are quite the duo. Biggie, as Jordan likes to say, is his firstborn baby boy. And a couple of years ago, out of nowhere, I just had to have a pup of my own. The stars aligned and my baby girl little was brought into my world. And for the record, we did not name them Big and Little on purpose. Biggie is 11 and Jordan is a huge Big Papa fan. Little is two and I tried to name her many other things, but little she liked and little she listened to, so little she became. They are the source of so much joy for us. We connect with each other by taking walks around our neighborhood with the dogs. They are our favorite snuggle bugs when we are curled up on the couch with a movie. We love visiting Zilker Park in the heart of Austin and letting them run around with all the other dogs. Little often joins me in my office while I'm on calls. I often refer to her as the Sex and Love Co. mascot, unofficial mascot. And Jordan loves taking Biggie to swim a few times per week. We are absolutely convinced that he was a sea mammal in a past life. (laughs) As Biggie has gotten older, we've noticed that after big trips to the park or long swim sessions, he's a bit slower to move around later that day and the next day. His joints get a little stiff and sometimes are even painful. Our vet recommended we try adding pup-friendly CBD oil into his diet. I had no idea that dogs have an endocannabinoid system just like humans do. So we've recently upgraded the treat jar over here to the... CBD dog treats from Cured Nutrition. We also started adding a few drops of Cured Nutrition CBD oil to Big's food every so often to help with the discomfort in his hips and his shoulder joints due to arthritis. Uh, Little isn't left out of this either, though. She's a small dog with anxious tendencies, kind of like mother, like daughter here. So she gets a few drops when I know we'll be traveling or having an event at our house. Both of them get a little CBD when the holidays are upon us and fireworks might be going off around our neighborhood or when the weather says a thunderstorm is coming. So it's, it's really quite sad to see big saunter around the house. He's this big jacked pit bull, but his tail goes right between his legs and he can't get close enough to Jordan or I. We treat our pups like our children. We love them dearly. And it's important to us to make sure that they have a great quality of life. To give Cured Nutrition a try, whether it's their pet products or their human ones, head to the link in my show notes. Not all CBD is made equal, y'all, and Cured Nutrition is literally as good as it gets when it comes to ingredients, 
and of course, high quality, full and broad spectrum CBD. We are incredibly considerate when it comes to choosing what goes in our bodies as well as our pups. It's our plan for every member of our family to live a long, healthy, happy, and pleasurable life. Check the show notes for more info and make sure to use the code that sex chick, all one word, for 10% off your order of items not already a part of discounted bundles. Moving into, okay, you get the date. Awesome. You, you get the number. Let's even just start there before we get to the actual date. So you get the number and now there's some sort of interaction going on virtually and texting. Texting is a different kind of game than in person. Certainly some of the same principles definitely still apply, but there's some subtleties that might shift that one might want to be aware of. So what would you recommend? Yeah. So texting is probably where most guys are failing way more than they realize. Um, because it doesn't translate like we think it does. Like when you're conversationally talking to someone, if you do that same conversation over text, it's painful. Yeah. Like when you get someone asking you, Hey, how's it going over text? Like, is there anything more annoying than that? Like, no, the answer is no, there's not. (laughs) (laughs) It's like everything that works in a conversation face to face doesn't work in text. So it's very counterintuitive. And how you go about it is is radically different than what you would think would work. So the, the mistake that most guys make is they, they get a girl's number and they text her. She responds. They're excited. So naturally, they want to communicate with her more. So they start, you know, pushing the conversation, trying to get into a long conversation. And the more that goes on, the more that you're less likely to ever see her. Like the more text exchanged before the first date, the less likely the date will happen. Sweet um, concept. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the sweet spot for, for most guys, you know, six or seven texts max between, you know, you meet her, you send her a, a silly witty text about how you met. Like, you know, callback humor is, is my favorite way to, to open any sort of conversation again with the humor. Right. So maybe you hit on her in the Starbucks and you send her a, a text back and, and the first text is like, Hey, it was super courageous. How you like totally stopped me and hit on me in Starbucks. <laughs> right. And you great. accuse her of doing what, <laughs> what you obviously did to her. And she's mm. going to say, ha ha, very funny. Even from just that alone, your, your next message could be like, we're grabbing drinks. How's your schedule this week? She might just respond uh, free on Wednesday at, at eight. Awesome. Then you just say, you know, Wednesday, I'll meet you this bar this time. So like literally you can easily, you have a better chance with that strategy than, than doing most other things. Um, and depending on how much she likes you, or if she does want to kind of communicate with you, she might ask you more questions over text. She might try to engage you in a conversation, which is totally fine. Again, the, the key is kind of mirroring and matching her investments because mm-hmm. the mistake that we tend to make as guys is if we like someone, we start investing and investing more and more and more. And we forget to realize, are they investing back, right? So if you're texting and she's responding with, you know, longer texts, okay, you can, you can text her a little bit more if you want. But if you ever notice that, you know, you're texting paragraphs and she's test, texting, you know, words or short sentences, you're in trouble. Yeah. And that's always the thing I look for the most. You know, guys will be like, I'm, I don't know how I'm doing with this girl. I really like her. I'll be like, show me a screenshot of your most recent text thread. And I'll be able to see just from that, like, you're dead. You have no chance. Like, sorry, uh, 
it's terrible news. Shots but... has a thousand words in like 10. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, as far as texting goes, less is more. Mm. Um, I have a whole texting guide that I think is the fastest and sort of best way to learn this stuff is, you know, get a few lines that work, learn how to tell a woman out. I, rather than asking her out, I like to tell her out kind of that example I gave, like mm-hmm. we're grabbing, we're grabbing drinks, drinks when yeah. are you free? We're grabbing drinks. How's your schedule? Right. Um, that's just, I've gotten so much feedback from that just in my own dating life and from all my clients and women saying, I love how confident you were when you just, you know, you, you assume that we were meeting or you told me that we were going to meet. And this is obviously someone who gave you her number. She's interested in you, right? Totally. Like, you wouldn't want to do this with someone you got, like with some number you got from, from someone at work who has no sort of <laughs> right basis of attraction. Um, so, you know, what I always recommend is like I said, less is more. And the way to, to really become a great texter is to have people that are good at it text for you. So that's, that's one of like the biggest things that, uh, in, in the ongoing mentorship I have, like I'm constantly texting for, all of my clients because they're just posting screenshots and like, how do I respond? And I was like, say this and then like, write that down, keep it in your notes because you're going to use it a hundred times after this. And that's how I got good too. I had a mentor and I just, you know, let him text for me and you just see the same situations all the time. Um, and so you, you can hack texting very easily by just Mm. having someone do it for you until you stop making mistakes and you know what you're doing. Great. I love that. There's an authentic formula of sorts. You know, it's like you inject who you are, your unique personality, and you get some support along the way of like, hey, here's some things to be aware of. And that might be the biggest key to all this is cultivating that sense of awareness. I loved how you're talking about the investment. Is there an equal balance of investing and the less is more so good. And also, like you said, the we're going for drinks. There's something so subtle, but so meaningful there. There's like a masculine directiveness. There's a confidence there's, you know, I don't know if you're into some of the dom sub dynamics and some of like the, the kinky world oh, yeah. that's, so that's, it's, that's like you are establishing your dominance and not in a domineering overbearing way, but it's like, we're doing this and you can totally say no. Like, of course you have the agency and the consent to do so, but I'm telling you, this is what we're doing. This is what I desire. And that's yeah, Chicks love that. That is a very, generally speaking, in my experience, there's a receptivity there, especially if they've already check these boxes of displaying their interest by giving the number, by engaging all those kinds of things. This is awesome. I love it. And so moving into the next maybe phase of this, okay, you've bless us more. You're, you got the dates, you're meeting up. Then what? This is actually my favorite part. The, uh, the whole kind of how to quarterback a date. And this is like I mentioned, uh, when I was telling my story, like I had no idea what I was doing on dates. The the whole idea of going on a date creating anxiety for me. And just the, the usual kind of dinner date is just such a recipe for, for failure. Because if you think about it, um, you know, what are you doing at a dinner date? You're showing up, waiting for, you know, getting the table. There's this awkward interaction with the host. Then you sit down and you're trying to have a conversation, but you're also trying to look at the menu and figure out what you want. The waiter's coming over, interrupting every two minutes, right? Like, it's just a really unfriendly environment for a conversation. First of all, you're, you're having to make decisions about what you want to eat while trying to have this conversation. It's, it just sucks, right? It, it's horrible. So 
so <laughs> unless true. it's like Chipotle or, or you know right. tacos, Which, like how romantic. tacos. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but my advice is just avoid dinner dates. And um, and as far as quarterbacking a date, I like to start dates. You know, eight thirty. So it's it's past that dinner time. No one's going to show up to like eight thirty or nine and and be upset that you didn't you know, get dinner. Also, you're saying like, we're grabbing drinks when you're free. It's clear that you're not going to dinner. And from there, there's kind of like three sort of phases of any date. So the first phase of any date, especially if you don't know this person very well, maybe you met them, you know, out of the supermarket, it's at like 30 minutes to an hour, which is going to be mostly small talk and just kind of getting to know each other. A wide rapport, you could call it. So you meet at a at a bar. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It could be it could be just even somewhere like lame, like a Chili's or a Friday's, just because it's easy to find. Like, hey, mm-hmm. let, let's you know grab a drink at Chili's. Don't worry, <laughs> we're not going to stay there for longer than thirty minutes. We're just going to meet there, and then I've got some cool shit to take you to after that. Nice, right? So literally, it can it can suck. It could be like my favorite place to go. I used to live in New York, which is like the the best place in the world for dating because there's just so many options. There was this little like uh, it was called Lily's. It was just it's like a a long Irish pub, right? And it was easy to find as in Union Square. So I'd tell all my dates to meet me at Lily's and we'd sit there, we'd have a drink for, you know, 30 minutes or so. Within that 30 minutes, you, you know, you can tell a lot. You get a lot of information. Um, if she's, you know, touching you or subtly like flirting with you, lots of eye contact, um, depending on how much she's drinking, that could tell you a lot too. You know, if she's downing beers or taking mm-hmm. shots, like she's probably you know, hoping for, you know, a fun night or she's at least not looking to leave right away. So if that first venue is going well, you're going to know, you know, 30 minutes, like how much fun she's kind of having. Then I suggest you take it to an, the next step. And if if it's not going well, if after like 30 minutes or an hour, like the conversation is kind of sucking and you don't feel like you're vibing, you don't feel like you're connecting, there's nothing wrong with ending the day right there. And sometimes it's just, you know, maybe she's having a bad day. Maybe you're having a bad day, but obviously she was attracted to you when she came out, you were attracted to her or people wouldn't have gone and you get a lot more credit than you might think just from that alone. And if you don't drag the date out and just kill the vibe because you're trying to like make something happen or drag it out, you're way more likely to get a second date. So I can't tell you how many times I thought I was dead. I thought she wasn't interested but I just ended the day to say, Hey, I'm getting a little tired. Let's, you know, let's call it a night just from not kind of chasing or pushing mm-hmm. for sex. I had so many women then follow up back with me the next day. Hey, I had a great time. Like when can we hang out again? And I was shocked to get that text. Like, what do you mean you had a great time? You were like barely saying anything. You didn't <laughs> seem interested at all. Right. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Obviously I didn't respond with that, but so you'd be shocked just how many times just by ending the date on your own terms and not chasing, not trying to push for more if you like her, will actually save you and get you another date after that. So mm-hmm. that's that's like the first venue. If everything's going well, then I suggest that. I'm like, all right, next stop. And for her, she's like, oh, I didn't even know we were going to a next stop. This is cool. I wonder where we're going, right? And my favorite sort of thing is to have that next venue be like a five or a 10 minute walk. Because that walk will give you a lot of information on kind of like how she's feeling about you. There's a lot of opportunities to to kind of have some like um, physical checks in, physical check in. So one one thing I like to do that you know it's definitely tactical and a little like cheesy and gamey, but it works really well. Is when I'm crossing a street, 
I'll, uh, you know, reach back my arm kind of like yeah, this yes. to have her like the interlocking very arm classy, thing, right? classic maneuver. I dig it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and if she doesn't take it, right. I'll be like, yo, this is like a dangerous street. Like, didn't your mom ever tell you like, you know, <laughs> you got to hold someone's hand when you cross the street, you know, like, don't be weird that <laughs> you grab her hand. Right. Um, or if she's, you know, if she like really won't take it, be like, all right, I'm risking my life. So you know, that <laughs> you'll, you'll get a lot of information just from that alone. Right. Um, and, and that's always what I'm looking for on dates. It's like, how much are they investing? How, how into her, how into me is she? So that little five to 10 minute walk can be great because you get a lot of information there. And then when I get to the next place, that will be some sort of venue that's, I, I like more of like a loungy type vibe somewhere with couches where I can sit side by side and I'm not like across from them at a table. So that feels a lot more job interviewee. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that next venue, you know, you've spent an hour together, you've, you've had a little walk, you guys are probably feeling pretty connected anyway. So it'll be a lot more comfortable to like sit together on a couch. And if she likes you, she's going to kind of cozy up to you. Maybe, you know, there's going to be a lot more sort of physical chemistry happening potentially. Um, and at that place, what I usually like to do, I, I would always go to this uh, martini joint. It was the W Hotel in Union Square, right down the street from the Lily's place I mentioned. And we'd sit on the couch and I'd order, you know, dirty martinis for us. You know, who doesn't like a dirty martini? Uh-huh. Well, most people like them anyway. So, <laughs> um, and then from there, basically, I always like to play the silly game, which is truth or dare without the dare. Um, some people call it the questions game. I totally like stole this from some dating material I read way back in the day. I'm like, well, that's not really dating material. That's just a fun game. Like who doesn't like truth or dare, uh, especially without the dare. Cause eh, are you really going to have a dare? Like maybe you do that, but right. But how I kind of introduce that is like, I'll say, Hey, you want to play this stupid little game? It's, I'm sure you played it a million times. It's, it's called the questions game. It's truth or dare without the dare. There's three rules. First rule is you have to be honest. Second rule is when you ask a question, you have to answer your own question. So if I ask you what your favorite color is, I then have to also answer that question. But the third rule is you're not allowed to ask shitty questions like that. You have to ask questions that make the other person either slightly embarrassed or uncomfortable. Otherwise, this game is going to suck. And then I'll say, all right, I'll go first. And usually the, the question I'll ask is like, you know, what's the thing you got the most in trouble for your most embarrassing moment? And basically it's just a framework to have a much more interesting, deeper conversation. Cause now you've removed these barriers of asking personal things and what'll typically happen after, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of that game is people start talking about sex and then you get to know that person just that much quicker. You know, the, a lot of the stuff just goes away, right? The, the barriers to, to connection and, yeah. and the, that conversation will just kind of take a life of its own. And usually if I can get to like the questions game part of a date, it will almost always kind of end in another date. Because what are the odds that like two people who are attracted to each other that are having a connected conversation about like, you know, interesting things in their life is not going to you know go further. Yeah. And, um, and then from there, if it's usually during that game, we might start kissing or some, you know, making out might happen. That's totally normal. Sometimes, you know, 
the the conversation about sex heats up and mm-hmm. can kind of go right from there. But come on. But what will typically happen from <laughs> the, the uh, <laughs> The next phase after that is once you've kind of gotten that kiss out of the way, which is, you know, that is that imaginary line between I like this person, she likes me or not, right? Like once, once two people have kissed, they basically like solidified, we're attracted to each other in, you know, an intimate sort of way. And if that doesn't happen kind of after that second venue of a date, I usually cut it off right there um, because if, if you try to drag it out any further and you try to go somewhere else, you're just probably not going to, you know, it's, it's going to be a long date. You're already there for two or three hours and you're it's not really going to help, you know, the cause. But if we are kind of making out, then I'll usually suggest going to some sort of like couples experience. It could be playing like, uh, you know, air hockey, uh, bowling, uh, pool, you know, there, there's a bunch of fun bars that have like arcades built in. So you add an alcohol and an arcade element. It's super fun. After that, if, if things are going great, you know, back to her house, back to my house, whatever. But those are like the three, the, the three sort of venues of any first date that I think are important to hit is the first one is just that sort of connection phase. The second one is more of like an intimate conversational rapport sort of phase. And the third one is the couple's experience, which you can do once you've passed that that kissing, you know, imaginary line. So, so and then in the last thing, once you, once you've kissed, you know, you can just keep doing couples experiences on every day and, mm. and that's it. Right. You, you go do this thing together and then you can go to dinner. Then you can go to a movie. If you, you know, if you've kissed that stuff is cool. Like if you haven't, it's, it's not great. Such a good. Sorry if that the answer was too long, dude. But. <laughs> no, that was perfect. Like you laid it out so clearly and I just loved how you brought awareness to each step and like a why this versus that, or if this is happening, consider this. There's just so many yeah, variables at play that you've clearly accounted for and had experience with and got a lot of data from certainly yourself and people you work with. And I just think that's so awesome. And I want to acknowledge a couple of things. One, the person on the other side of this date, obviously, in this heteronormative conversation, we're talking two guys talking about women, but position yourself in this conversation, however, makes sense for you. Um, that other person is having their own experience, right? So, yeah, we're we're kind of being the man in this again conversation, and we're like directing things, and we're gathering data, we're trying things, we're being courageous, we're being authentic, we're being playful, we're doing all this stuff, and. They, you know, like you said, kind of in the first stage, you cut it short or in that example. And then all of a sudden, oh, they wanted another date. They probably had feels, right? They were, they were also navigating like fun comfortability and wanting to impress you as well. Cause if you've gotten to that point, like you've mentioned each checkpoint along the way, it's like you've established that there is some level of desire and connection and taking that and kind of running with it, but also like being I don't want to say cautious, but just being aware and, and not rushing it. And, you know, another thing I want to acknowledge from my personal journey and my own way of navigating a lot of this stuff is as I started to get more and more comfortable dating and learn a lot of these little, I don't want to use the word tricks because I think that cheapens it, but just approaches for success and for connection, maybe is the best way to put it for authentic connection. I found it my 
my close rate, so to speak, my ability to go to the next phase in the connection was, was getting higher and higher. And then I started to get to a place of tapping into my inner knowing and my, um, I'll say integrity as, as a man in the, in that interaction is like, okay, cool. I've established I'm at least physically attracted to this woman in conversations. I acknowledge, okay, there's some level of emotional slash just like shared interests um, resonance there. Or maybe I determine that's not really there. Then what do I do? And, and I would be curious from your perspective, like going to that higher level of awareness and of maybe you would say stewardship in this process like how would you how have you navigated that? How would you recommend navigating? Is that part of kind of your work and, and how you um guide people in this process? So when you mean if if you feel like it's just not going well or so not if it's not going well, but maybe I establish that and work with me here, walk with me. Yeah, yeah. And because this is kind of like where I found myself shortly before meeting my fiance and my wife, when I was like, all right, I'm like really I'm more open and ready, willing and able to get into a committed long-term partnership. And before that, I never really was. It was more just like dating, having fun, all that kind of stuff. And I started to get to this point where there was some level of, again, success, predictability in this, this journey. And I started to feel this, this incongruence or a little tension of integrity within myself. It's like kind of to the point of playing with the house's money. I more or less kind of know I can get this woman if I want. Oh, okay. And, right. but again, that higher level of stewardship is like, what is, and maybe it comes back to the taking energy of like, I'm sort of taking from her potentially without her consent in a very subtle, like energetic way that on the surface, I was good at rationalizing for a season that like, well, no, like this is just the process. We're having fun. I'm not being dishonest, but I think there's maybe another layer, a level of forthrightness and like extreme, so to speak, radical honesty and openness around like what I want, what I desire, what I'm willing to, and not to necessarily do this all on the first date, but maybe some of it comes up on the first date or certainly second, third or somewhere beyond. So you, you kind of get where I'm going with this. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So that, that I, I love this question because this was like a radical transformational moment for me, which actually led me to my relationship with my fiance. Um, awesome. and, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm so glad you asked. So what I was kind of doing for a while, which was definitely not something I'm proud of now, but once I kind of gained this ability to, to, connect with people and connect with women. You know, if I got a date, there was close to a hundred percent chance that eventually I would sleep with that woman. Um, you know, we're both attracted to each other. I'm not going to make stupid mistakes and it's just a matter of time. And a lot of those situations led to me kind of knowing right off the bat, okay, I definitely want to sleep with her, but I'm not interested in something long-term. That's it. Yeah. And, and I could always tell when they we're going to be interested in something long-term. And I took advantage of that a lot of the time. You know, I did sleep with them. I then created some sort of, you know, I never promised monogamy or anything like that, but I could tell that they were interested in that down the road. And I just knew that I wasn't. Mm -hmm. And basically I, I kind of kept them in my sphere, 
for lack of a better word, call it like a, a harem. I mean, that sounds horrible, but that's kind of like, you know, what it sort of was, you know, I was dating five or six women at a time, seeing them once a week, once every 10 days. And I knew that at that sort of consistency that they wouldn't get too close to me, but they wanted to get closer. And I knew from that sort of time frame, those relationships would probably last like three to six months until eventually they'd be like, listen, I want something more. And I would say, you know, I, I told you from the beginning that I, you know, I wasn't really in a place to to give you more. So I respect that, that you want that and that I, I can't do it. But I always kind of felt bad about those sort of situations because yeah. I knew that I, I knew what was going to happen right, right off the bat. And I think as guys, we, we do have this awareness, which is pretty cool. Like, you know, pretty much right away, maybe not instantly, but you know, pretty quickly whether or not the woman you're sleeping with is someone you're interested in long-term. And if yeah. you know immediately that she's not like, don't just fuck her and, and, and ditch her. Cause it, mm. it, it fucks people up, you know? And I, it's happened to me on the other side. I've had women do that to me and it sucks. Cause then you, you start investing in this person. It's like a, a mini breakup. Right. Mm. And then someone's got to go through that period of, of loss. So, you know, once you get to a point where you're having enough success, where that starts to be an issue, right. And, and that starts to be something you're noticing, then what I really recommend is you stop, like, if, if you want to have fun and live like the crazy fun sexual lifestyle, like you can totally do that. You just have to change the strategy, how you go about that. And you have to meet women who are interested in that. And that from, from there, like how to do that, that's one of my favorite subjects, which is a whole other can of worms, but that's basically a social circle type of, of thing where you start hosting parties, you start getting involved in, in nightlife and things that attract people that want to have fast, crazy sexual experiences. And you'll meet tons of women who are totally open for that. And if that's a lifestyle, you want to live like Dan Blazarian, no problem. <laughs> like you, you know, you can totally do it. I did it for, for many years, had a ton of fun. I'm really glad I did. I had to make that transition to that lifestyle because that's what I wanted. I wanted the crazy experiences. I wanted to sleep with a ton of women, but I realized that going about it in this sort of dating scenario that I, that I mentioned just it, that, that dating scenario leads to relationships. It leads to women yeah. wanting to be with you. So if you're using that to like build a harem, it's not great. Like you're, you're going to have a lot of heartbreak along the way. So that's, that's partially, I think, answering your question. But, but the bigger thing was, so I noticed that I was then like living this, this crazy sort of lifestyle I, I mentioned, like very much similar to what Dan Blazarian created. Um, I had women around me all the time and young, beautiful women who like to party, like, to, you know, engage in all sorts of you know, MDMA festivals, all that crazy stuff. But I met a girl and I could tell right off the bat, like she wanted to hook up with me and she was really hot. I knew I was like, I definitely want to hook up with her too. But I, she was, she was young. She was like 20. Um, and I was 36 at the time. And I, I'm like, I know if I hook up with this girl, she's going to like totally, this sounds conceited, but like, I know she's going to fall in love with me because you know, we had a connection. We had like a little bit of a friendship. And so I had to like really tell myself, Robbie, don't do it. You know, she knows that you're a total man whore. She's not going to, you know, it, it, she's not going to be surprised, but it's just, it's going to suck for her. Yeah. And I'm really glad that I didn't because I ended up meeting my fiance through her. And because oh, no I didn't, way. that's you know, beautiful. Yeah. Love that. What a grateful <laughs> circle story. Yeah. So, you know, the, 
I, I, you know, for once didn't like think with my dick and, Mm -hmm. and thought more about the other person and their sort of like, for me, I'm going to have a, a cool time great orgasm a fun experience but that's all it's going to be and for her it's going to be potentially something a a lot more emotional and a negative experience so you know with this you know with this power that you develop with this ability to connect with people and to seduce women like you have to be careful because if you abuse that you're just going to be fucking people over and karmically it's going to come back um i had you know what i believe to be just a crazy string of karma coming back to, you know, to bite me in the ass after, after sort of abusing this power for so long, I I had this crazy string of dating women that were way, way, way more powerful and seductive than I ever was. And they just put me through a ringer, like, you know, left, left me in orgies, you know, walked out on me and banged my best friend. Like just basically like all the bad shit I did to like fuck over women. Like I got it like 10 times harder. And I was like, yeah, I guess I deserve this. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Pain for my transgressions, dude. Thank you for sharing all that. I think that's so beautifully rounded out this conversation, just like your realness, your openness, once again, I can so relate on so many levels to so much of the things you're describing and talking about in your journey. And one quick little thing I'll share is very similarly, I found myself in a situation with someone who I I think she had reached out to me on Instagram randomly somehow, went on a day. She was just gorgeous and she checked a lot of boxes for someone who I imagined I would maybe want to like have something more serious with. And I knew very quickly, even though I was trying to sort of logically convince myself, maybe I could go down this route, especially she's really fucking like just gorgeous. And there's such chemistry and sexual attraction there. And after a few times of hanging out with her, I came to this turning point where sleeping with each other was like imminent. And all I had to do was make the move and be open to it. And I was like, you know what, this is this this is the opportunity to do things differently for stepping into the next evolution of my being and my soul, like what I most deeply want and honoring that masculine stewardship. And very similarly, now she didn't introduce me to my now wife, but within a few months I met my wife who's now my wife. And it's those realizations, those courageous, um, decisions when it's like, I've gotten so good at this thing. There's such a gratification and like a fun and a blissfulness and an ecstasy and the lifestyle and and all those kind of things and getting wrapped in it for too long can really become, yeah, just not your best self. And I think for people that are listening to this podcast at the end of the day, people are looking to, yeah, experience more connection, pleasure, bliss, all those things, but also become a better person all along the way. And I think at some point for at least some people, maybe most many people, this kind of, there's going to be an an invitation into the next evolution of that consciousness. And I just loved how you described that, man. And with that, we're just about at an hour now, again, such an juicy jam-packed conversation so many really great practical tactics um, sprinkled with a ton of authenticity and heart connection and vulnerability is just couldn't ask for a better conversation man is there anything that we have not touched on that you would want to make sure to point out before we close this out no man that this has been one of my uh favorite interviews i've done in a long time awesome. it was such an amazing interview 
to you, you know man. ask you ask me all the the questions I would love to you know always talk about. Uh, so and and added so many amazing points to it. And I don't think so. I think we kind of nailed everything there. Hopefully, people listening, you know, you can use this kind of as a roadmap. And for those of you who want more help or you kind of want to get there faster, um, you know, reach out to me. I've got programs that help guys move through this process in the most fast and fun way. You know, doing this alone is is way less fun than doing it with other guys who are kind of on the same journey and learning from their mistakes and having them learn from yours and having, you know, people to to guide you along the way. I always had great mentors and that's how I, you know, learned all this stuff. So yeah. if anyone wants to check that out or find me, just uh, head over to my site that's innerconfidence.com or hit me up on Instagram, Instagram uh, slash Robbie dash Kramer. And uh, yeah, it's been uh, I'm so fun. Really appreciate, uh, you know, he coming on. I'd love to have you on my podcast as well. I'd be and, honored, brother. Is it Inner Confidence? Is that yeah. the podcast too? You can find it on, on innerconfidence.com. It's called The Leverage Podcast. The Leverage. Cool. Yeah. And then your Instagram handle once again, what is that? It's Robbie, R-O-B-B-I-E dash Kramer. K-R-A-M-E-R. Awesome, man. So check him out, this dude. I mean, just in this one hour conversation, once again, I can tell you're the real deal and someone would be absolutely privileged to be in your world in connection with you in a formal or informal capacity following you or being part of one of your programs. Um, once again, bro, thank you for joining us, for showing up and bringing the goods. <laughs> you got it, man. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.